Have you ever found yourself feeling discouraged or even cheated as you compare your life to what you had planned or hoped it would be? Today, we will learn from the life and teachings of Elaine Jack, a remarkably strong and independent woman and a former Relief Society general president who taught us that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can overcome feelings of despair or loss of hope by choosing, choosing a life of strength, gratitude, and service. Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the inspiring stories and teachings of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Carly Guyman, and I'm here with Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Thanks for joining us today. As a reminder, in this season of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we're learning from the lives and teachings of women featured in the book At the Pulpit, which is a church publication available online and in the Gospel Library app. To discuss Elaine Jack's life and her talk, Get a Life, we're very excited to have on the show today, Elizabeth Keene. Thanks for joining us, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So by way of introduction, we just wanted to tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. So she is a historian with the Joseph Smith Papers Project, specializing in women's and gender history as well as financial history. She earned a bachelor's with honors in history and a classical language certificate from Arizona State University and a master's in European and women's history from Purdue, and she is currently a PhD candidate in early modern European history at the University of California, Irvine. So before joining Joseph Smith Papers Project, she was an instructor in the history department and religious studies program at the University of California, Irvine. And in 2016, she completed training at the Institute for the Editing of Historical Documents in New Orleans. So that is quite a list of accomplishments. We're so (laughs) glad that I think we've got the right person today. (laughs) So Elizabeth, you have a fascinating job working on the Joseph Smith Papers Projects. Um, Can you explain more about what you do and any other projects that you're working on? Uh, So right now, I'm finishing up work on Documents Volume 10. It's the documents that cover the life of Joseph Smith in the summer of 1842, and that'll be forthcoming next spring. Uh, It'll be published. And essentially, this is kind of a a really difficult time in Joseph Smith's life. He's confronting John C. Bennett and has the struggle of uh, trying to become mayor of Nauvoo and just a lot of uh, responsibilities. I'm jealous of all that you know about Joseph Smith and his life. I feel like that would be really amazing. It is amazing. To have that background. It's deep in in moments, not the the full life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We're so excited to have you here to discuss the life of Elaine Jack and some of her teachings um, from a talk she gave in 1993. But to start, we want to have you introduce us to Elaine Jack. Who is she? What is her background? What is her upbringing like? Um, Tell us a little bit about her. She was really an amazing woman, and it's it's so fun to learn more about these previous Relief Society presidents. So she was born and raised in Alberta, Canada, in close proximity to the Cardston, Alberta Temple. And I think growing up near the temple was really a defining aspect of her life. It was kind of the center of their community in a lot of ways. She went to college in Utah at the University of Utah and met her husband while in Utah, And he was part of the medical profession. And so they moved all over the U.S. because of his profession, living in Massachusetts and Alaska and just kind of very well-traveled with young children. So I think she can talk about, you know, the struggles of motherhood in a very real way. And I liked learning about her childhood, too. You know, that she had a lot of responsibility as a child and, you know, had lots of little jobs. And she played the organ and she worked, I think, at a little store and helped her grandfather, who was a patriarch. So Yeah, definitely a busy life. Yeah. 
So Elaine Jack's service was, it was characterized by her initiative and action. So Elizabeth, can you share with us some of her assignments and callings at the general level and just some examples mm-hmm. of her, I feel like she was a real go-getter, <laughs> just Absolutely. that nature. Give us some context too about the time that she was serving. Definitely. So in 1990, when she's called as the 12th General Relief Society president, um, just to give you a sense of the church, the Relief Society had 3 million members in 135 countries and territories. So this is really a global expanding church. And she found that pretty daunting. In other statements that she's made, she said that she liked to think about individuals and the individual faces that she had met rather than the overwhelming number number of 3 million women that she presided over. But she is this amazing go-getter. She called uh, Cheka Okazaki and Eileen Clyde as her counselors. And that just makes, I think, for a really dynamic, globally aware presidency. And then the sesquicentennial, or the 150th anniversary of the founding of the Relief Society, occurred in 1992 and was a huge cornerstone of their presidency. And as part of that celebration, they really reached out to sisters across the world. So in February of 1991, they put a call in the um, Enzyme and other church publications asking for women's stories, their voices. Uh, and in the first four months, they got 300 responses. So and probably from real all call, over the world. All over the yeah. world, talking about conversion stories, you know, life histories, uh, struggles in their daily lives, just a whole gamut. And then with the sesquicentennial, they held a broadcast in March of 1992. In preparation for this broadcast, they brought Relief Society leaders from Mexico, Germany, Zimbabwe, Korea, and Australia to Salt Lake to tape segments in their native languages, which they then incorporated into the broadcast. And That's really neat. It's so amazing when you think about the global reach. This is 1992. Like it's something that the church regularly does now, but this was that was really edge new stuff. for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at the time, they wanted to hold the broadcast live. And the proposed number of international connections was five. They brought this to the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve, and they said, well, let's do more. So they ended up having this broadcast that linked Relief Society sisters in the United States, Canada, the Caribbean, Europe, Korea, Taiwan, Japan, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and the Philippines in a live broadcast for the first time. That's amazing, and that was something that she initiated. Yeah, That's so she's so really driving this kind of global outreach, and really, I think very aware, absolutely, very aware. Yeah. of this global sisterhood that mm-hmm. she's leading. A mission president in Taiwan later reported that, quote, a special spirit flooded the chapel when the opening prayer of the broadcast was given in Mandarin, the native language of the sisters present. Eyes were damp as each of our Relief Society sisters realized that she played an important role in an international sisterhood that has no ethnic or language barriers. So I think it just shows the way that she was trying to reach out to sisters in their own countries, in their own languages, really make them feel that they were a part of this Relief Society. And not just a part of the Relief Society, but I feel like she really valued people as individuals and wanted them to feel confident in their abilities. I think it mentions that in her Mm -hmm. biography, just how she wanted people to own their callings and say, you know, you're here for a reason. You're entitled to inspiration. And this is you. She really wanted sisters to feel empowered. I think. Absolutely. And I think she was really driving like self-sufficiency and and women to realize their spiritual gifts, their Mm -hmm. strengths. Mm -hmm. Another outreach that happened during her time as Relief Society president In December of 1992, the Relief Society launched a worldwide gospel literacy initiative. And its purpose was to teach basic literacy skills to church members who could not read or write. 
And Jack said this about literacy, quote, the ability to read is more than just an earthly skill. It's important to our eternal progression as well. If we're going to bring souls to Christ, they must be able to understand the basic commandments and gospel principles that are in God's words, the scriptures. So there's always this, I think, profound spiritual connection to what she's trying to do on this global level. So Elizabeth, we know of an experience that Elaine Jack and her counselors had in kind of regularly presenting their work to a committee of apostles and other senior church leaders. Can you share this story that she shares and kind of what we learned from her experience that can be relevant to us? Sure. So early in her presidency, she attended a priesthood executive council. Like you said, this is made up of various apostles. They directed the curriculum department and church auxiliaries, including the primary young men, young women's religious society and Sunday school. And she and her counselor, Sister Okazaki and Sister Clyde, made a 30-minute presentation talking about the work they were doing in Relief Society, and then they were, it were excused. And I think there was kind of minimal interaction. And so kind of reevaluating the situation, they realized that changing their approach to that biannual meeting could make it more worthwhile for everyone. So the next time they attended, they asked council members to respond to their report with their own findings and suggestions and asked, how can we be of better help to you? Um, The ensuing conversation, she said, was very useful, and thereafter they were invited to attend monthly meetings and stay for the entire meeting, becoming official members of that meeting. So it really worked to have women's voices in that council, and I think they showed the ability to offer another perspective, but I think it was done very humbly and very much saying, you know, it's not about what we're bringing, it's about what we can do for For you. To help you. Absolutely. And so I think that really captures a lot of who she was, Mm -hmm. just kind of this humble reevaluation and this, you know, how can I help you, how can I serve you Mm -hmm. mindset. I like that story a lot. So Elizabeth, this fireside was given almost 30 years ago. So can you share with us a little bit about what was happening in the church at this time and in the world during this period of her service? I mean, it's a pretty dynamic time. It's a time of really great change in the church. As we've talked about, there's this globalization. The church is reaching new countries. As Relief Society president, she gets uh, messages from the Relief Society that's forming in Moscow, several that are forming in Africa, where, you know, you just see these groups of women that are relying on her leadership and this kind of global reach of the church developing. That'd be an amazing time to be serving. And I think she was the right person. She was the right person for that. So we want to just jump now into this talk that was given by Elaine Jack, um, I think at BYU, a BYU devotional or fireside in 1993. So the talk is entitled Get a Life, which we've talked together that we could easily have the impression that that's maybe a little insensitive, you know, maybe a little bit harsh or direct. Maybe she wasn't totally, you know, comprehending the difficulties that some people face in life which is farthest from the truth. So, Elizabeth, give us some context for the title of this talk and what she was intending. You know, I think maybe there was a desire to be a tiny bit provocative, to kind of wake people up, to give them kind of a, a shock. But but like you said, Carly, I don't think there's this desire to be unsympathetic or to be overly critical of people's lives. As we've talked, she had a challenging life herself. She was juggling a lot and... In her other uh, talks and discourses, she really focuses on on what she says, talking heart to heart and kind of, I think, being very maybe blunt sometimes, Mm -hmm. but also very loving. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you read the talk, more and more she frames it as choose life. 
she quotes from Deuteronomy and when, when Moses is giving his kind of final sermon to the children of Israel. She says, Tonight I repeat Moses' words and ask you to choose life, to understand with your heart and your head that the Lord is indeed your life and the length of thy days. And so I think that's really the heart of this discourse, where she's saying, choose life, choose Jesus Christ, rely on the Lord. And so it's not the, you're falling down, get a life, get, get your act together. Mm-hmm. It's more of, you know, what, what are the spiritual things you need to be doing in your life? How can you better focus on the gospel mm-hmm. and living a Christ-like life? Something that really impacted me was learning that growing up, she had a very ill mother. And she was taking on a lot of responsibilities to care for the family as she was raised with this really sick mom. And so I think that totally changes perspective that she really was pretty aware of the very real difficulties that we face in life. And I think her message is that that's part of life and that there is happiness and joy to be had even among those difficulties. I just really found it very kind of hopeful and encouraging, you know, despite its somewhat shocking title, that she really outlines these kind of fundamental aspects of the gospel, you know, get a testimony, have personal faith, be kind, be grateful, be respectful, be open to new ideas, you know, all these things that we can do sometimes without being completely gospel-centered, but when you make them gospel-centered, they're just that much more profound. And I just thought she shared amazing stories with each and every example. And I think all of it is built on this faith in Jesus Christ. As you said, we can we can live a life of gratitude and kindness and respect without faith. But with faith, we can really be empowered with strength and courage despite difficulties to, to choose that life. Something that I related to with one of her ideas to choose life is to remain open to new ideas. And She says that the hard work we do spiritually will benefit us in many, many ways, just as the hard work you are currently doing intellectually and professionally will have lifelong value. And I think that professionally and with our education, it's kind of easier to see the benefits coming in there sometimes more immediate or they're monetary or have more milestones. And so I love that she said, just as you're measuring your value with your professional life, think about the work you're doing spiritually and we'll be benefited in so many ways, probably more ways than in our other aspects of life. And so I just love that she said, remain open to new ideas, think about and do for others, look outside of yourself and into your opportunities. Another thing I loved just with that thought, she said, what brings me joy is to look back on my life and see growth. And I think she's talking about growth in every aspect. And I, that was just really something that was inspiring to me. I loved the way that she talked about difficulty and difficulty being a part of life and choosing how we respond to difficulty. I don't know, Elizabeth, if there are things you want to share on, on that topic. You know, she had a quote that really stood out to me and it was, Difficulty is an essential element in the bedrock underlying mortality and does not preclude rejoicing. Everything does not have to be marvelous for us to rejoice. And I think so often we lose sight of that, right? We get caught up in the struggle, we get caught up in the challenges, and we let the rejoicing fade away because what is there to rejoice in? And I think this is such a, a great reminder. I loved it in connection with her rejoice in the dailiness of life. You know, whether that's getting enough socks out of uh, the dryer at the end of the washing, you know, just being able to see joy in the little things in life. Something that I love about Elaine Jack just in reading about her is that she gives so many scriptural examples. I mean, we talked about her starting out with Moses's motivational speech kind of, but then she relates this idea of finding joy in the dailiness of living to Nephi and his brothers because she's 
saying that each of us only have so much time and energy in a day. And so she says, think of Nephi. He's putting his energy into activities, reflecting his faith and thanksgiving. And then his brothers, Laman and Lemuel, they put their energy into, she says, the barren fields of discontent, disaffection, and disbelief. And so their lack of gratitude because of where they were spending their energy, it led to endless mortal trouble for Nephi and endless eternal trouble for themselves. I love that she said that, but just giving those examples, it's like they were asked to do the same things. They were doing the same things, but the difference was where they were putting their energy in the time that they were given. And it made an eternal difference for them. And I think that's something that we can easily choose to do on a daily basis. I think related to that, she teaches that there is some strength required and some maturity to make that choice, right? And I love, there's a quote she says, and it's interesting thinking, you know, she's speaking to college students. She says, in the midst of finals, a romantic crisis, or a conflict with a spouse or roommates, it is a sign of spiritual and emotional maturity to remember life doesn't get any better than this. That's because it's your life right now, and nothing is more invigorating than living your life, which is truly the process of making your choices based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. To do so is to really live. And I like that she acknowledges difficulty. She's not saying when you are able to overcome difficulty, then you'll be happy, or then you'll find the life that you really need or want. But she's saying life, simply because it's your life, It doesn't get any better than that. And there is so much fullness and richness and abundance in your life. See that. Have the, you know, emotional and spiritual maturity to see that and then find joy in it. I love that. And I loved how she emphasized kind of that that agency, right? It's our choice to choose whether to react negatively or to react positively. And she has another quote that goes along with the one you just shared, Carly. Sometimes I fear we have expectations that the good life is a life being led by someone else. The truth is that the good life is the life you have, for it's the only one you can lead. And I think it goes back to that same message of like, this is your life, own it, make it great. So I think one thing she illustrates is just to, in your life, recognize things that maybe are going well or that you can be grateful for. She shares an experience of a sister with a leaking roof And so she's even gives this image of this sister sometimes having to wear an umbrella in her kitchen when it rains, but she was just expressing gratitude to Elaine that two of her daughters had done extremely well in final tests and it qualified them to be midwives. And so, you know, amid this literal rain, it's raining down, you know, in her kitchen, she can see something to be so grateful for. And I think there's that sense of of true gratitude, right? Not gratitude because things are going well in every aspect of your life, but gratitude for those wonderful opportunities she sees in her daughter's life and not detracting from her own, maybe what she would frame as minor challenges, but what we would see as pretty major. Mm -hmm. So Elaine also counsels us to dwell on the goodness of life. I love that idea because we can dwell on so many things. We can dwell on our difficulties. We can dwell on our challenges. They will always be there. They will always be part of life. But we can choose to dwell on the goodness of life and put our energy into faith and thanksgiving. And I have found recently, and this is a message that we hear from church leaders even in our day, to find time to sit and think about the things that we're grateful for and the ways that God's hand is in our lives. I've even found as it's easy for me right now. I'm at home with a a, a small baby and my life has changed quite drastically. And it's really easy for me to start thinking about all the things that I have given up or the things that I can't do anymore or the ways that life is different. And just having the thought 
but think about all the things you can do. And when you focus on that, it's like this whole world opens up to me and suddenly it's like, I have the best life. And I think that part of that came from reading this talk and being encouraged by Elaine Jack to think less about other people's lives and and that they're living the life that I want. And instead, wow, I'm so grateful to have the life that I have and that anyone can think that despite the difficulties or challenges they have. Absolutely. I found the tenor of the talk just to be extremely hopeful, right? Mm -hmm. Extremely encouraging. And to say, you know, kind of invest in, in the life you have, invest in the good things you see around you rather than the comparison and all the ways that we can focus on whatever might not be going right or whatever isn't happening. So I had an institute teacher. She had been single her whole life. She had never been married. And she just said something that changed her perspective was to remember to live each day as if you're going to be in this phase of your life forever. And I feel like for her, that just helped her to make the most of the opportunities that she did have instead of looking forward to, oh, if I was married, that would make me happy. And I mean, she's living such a full life and was such an example to me and an inspiration to me. And I think it goes perfectly with Elaine Jack's talk. I mean, some of my major takeaways were just these little kind of one-liners. She said, be grateful, be kind, respect others, live life, be spiritually mature, and all of these things. Those are things that, you know, we can do in our life right now. And it just was really amazing to me, the power of agency, how enormous that is, and just these small things that we can choose to do. Toward the end of the talk, Elaine Jack also teaches, she illustrates with this story about a friend talking with a friend about how challenging life is for her. And she has all these things on her plate. You know, she's coming toward the end maybe of her education and worrying about what comes next. And she has some questions and problems with dating. And as she's fretting with her friend, her friend asks her, is there really anything you can do about all of these difficulties? Or are you really just having fun worrying about them? And she calls it recreational anxiety. (laughs) And I think that's something that women in particular can all laugh at because it's something we are really good at. And she basically just teaches that the lesson from that is do what you can and then turn your problems over to the Lord. And I think Elaine Jack does a good job of this because it's not like our challenges are not valid. It's not like life isn't difficult and that we don't have these things that we're always going through that are hard. But she leaves us with a lot of hope. She shares this quote at the end And she says, there is nothing we experience that our Lord does not understand. I know this to be true. At times when I feel overwhelmed or alone, unsure or defeated, I remember that I have a Savior who understands and loves me. His atonement was personal. It was for me. He knows. He understands. And I just thought that was such a personal touch to think about our relationship with the Savior as we are going through our lives. He knows and He understands. And I love what she ends with. She, she talks about Elder Bruce R. McConkie on his deathbed and his wife uh, leans over it and essentially says, do you have any last message for me? And it's just this brief sentiment of carry on, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, that's how she ends her, her devotional. And I think there's just a profoundness that encapsulates her entire discourse there where she says, you know, Take this to heart, be spiritually strong, and carry on. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. We've been so glad to have you here on the show to learn more about Elaine Jack. And in conclusion, we hope those listening through this discussion about Elaine Jack, her life and teachings, that you have found a renewed desire to love your life and, and to rely on our Savior's perfect atonement, his perfect understanding, and his love for us. 
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review wherever you got your podcast. And please share this episode with your family and friends. We would love to hear your ideas and suggestions for how we could improve and what you'd like to hear on this podcast, those listening. So please send your feedback to podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. If you want to read this talk or read more talks like it, the book At the Pulpit is available in its entirety on the Gospel Library app and online at churchhistorianspress.org. We invite you, our listeners, to use At the Pulpit as you study, speak, teach, and lead in the gospel. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks again for listening.